0: You want to get me something for Christmas? <laughs> Time for a new mic. Yeah. So where was I? Sixty-six books over four thousand. Who knows how many? Is it thirty-nine authors? Thirty-nine authors. Wow! Isn't that amazing? You you couldn't you couldn't think that through to pull it off, could you? Except the mind of God has done it, and there seems to be a. If if you're involved in the Word, consistently as far as a teacher or a preacher, uh, you find that dynamic, uh, in in your present application. So I'm I'm going to start there. So two weeks ago we talked about the importance of being deeply rooted in Christ in order to be fruitful. You remember that. It's two weeks ago. Last week, I spoke about the state of the church being blessed, empowered, connected, adopted, and expectant, almost pregnant with God's eternal purposes. All of this points us toward Pentecost. There's a continuity of theme. I didn't realize there was a continuity going on until I started to work on this word this week. And I kind of reflected back, and I thought, "Oh, that's where all of that was going." It wasn't just that I had a word for one Sunday and then a word for another Sunday. We were going somewhere. There was a there was a flow going. That's the way the Word of God works. For sixty six books over four thousand years through thirty nine different people, huh? Isn't that awesome? Isn't God really cool? So. Think about that when you when you're doing your daily reading. You know, pause and think: Is God being thematic with me? Is is there something He's showing me? Is there a flow that I'm I'm stepping into? Have I gotten into the river of God somehow through the Word? Hey, being intentional about that has a payoff. So all of this points us toward Pentecost. All also known as the Hebrew, in the Hebrew calendar as the Feast of First Fruits. See, so there we go, back two weeks, right? Feast of First Fruits. The word Pentecost means 50, and the significance of that is it is 50 days after the Feast of Passover. At Passover, the lamb is sacrificed to atone for the sins of the people. And Jesus reveals the spiritual reality of that type and shadow that the feast represents as the Lamb of God, the Lamb of God. He is slain at Passover for the sin of the world. And in talking to his disciples prior to the event, he explains that that event will set off a series of future events that will culminate in the birthing and fruitfulness of God's Kingdom plan. Hi, girls. I like your fuzzies. In John 12:23, Jesus answered them, "The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified." Anyone want to be glorified? You sure? All right. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. There's the process. Son of man to be glorified. The seed falls into the ground and dies. In one of his parables, Jesus also reveals that there are levels of fruitfulness. In Mark 4.20, he says, but... Those that were sown in the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Here we go, 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100-fold, right? Jesus, at this time, is speaking to a people who understood agriculture. Most of them lived as sustenance farmers, eking out a living on a small plot of dirt and producing just enough to eat and pay their tithe and taxes, And if they were fortunate enough to be able to sell some of their crop at a local market, that was pretty much common life. They understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. You put a seed in the ground and it dies. It ceases to be what it was. A seed and it becomes a shoot, breaking up out of the ground and begins to reach for what? For the heavens, right? That (laughs) it sends out both roots here we are, the deeply rooted thing, remember, and branches now becoming a plant, a tree, or a stalk with the ability to bring forth fruit. Jesus, dead and buried, put in the ground like a seed, and in three days springs forth out of the ground as the first fruit of the new creation and for 40 days he sends out both root and branch and then ascends to heaven leaving behind a 100-fold plus fruitfulness and he plants them in an upper room in Jerusalem Luke 24:45 then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures why Because it's a continuous story, right? He wants it to flow through their lives. He opens their minds for the flow of God's input. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witness of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Yeah. A hundred and twenty pieces of kingdom fruit. Tucked away in an upper room incubator for ten days. Praying, waiting for the promise of the Father. And to the best of their understanding... Pursuing the Holy Spirit. Then it happened. The spiritual harvest of first fruits begins. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, the feast of first fruits arrived. They were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And most of us know the story, the sound and the power of the Spirit of God coming as the promise of the Father attracts the attention of multitudes of pilgrims who are in Jerusalem for the feast and coming upon this magnificent scene filled with sight and sound and wind and fire and power and declaration. They see this new crop of 120, the planting of the Lord in a state of spiritual ecstasy declaring the wonders and works of God in tongues that every people and nation can understand god undid babel things are back in his side of the tennis court they see fire moved by a mighty wind coming upon each of these first fruits and like the burning bush in the wilderness they are not consumed This is no quiet scene, no time of repose or meditation. No, this is audacious. You like that word? Audacious, right? We serve an audacious God. People in the crowd are yelling out, hey, these guys are drunk. (laughs) But Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk as you suppose. This is power. This is wonder. The spirit of God has come. The promise of the Father has arrived. And the end result is 3,000 souls are added to the church. Now, if this is attributed solely to Peter's preaching, then he has just had a 3,000-fold increase of his fruitfulness. Hmm, Not too shabby. But I believe the yield here belongs to the church, a 30-fold increase. But it is not the numbers that are impressive here. It's the spontaneity and effectiveness of the planting, and the immediacy of the yield. No longer is fruitfulness determined by seasons and feast days, by programs and detailed planning. The Spirit has come and enlivened the church to a new and living way where our words and deeds are empowered by the active and abiding presence of the Holy Spirit of the living God dwelling among us, and in us, and through us, the lordship of jesus christ is expressed and so we are encouraged in romans 12:11 do not be slothful in zeal be fervent in the spirit serve the lord now this word fervent is from fervens or fervio to be hot to boil to Glow, I like glow. Not too happy about the hot and boiling, but the the glow thing, that's all right. It's hot in temper, vehement. They are fervent in dispute, ardent, very warm, earnest, excited, animated, glowing, as fervent zeal, fervent piety, fervent in the spirit. That's just Webster's Dictionary. I'm going to read you that same verse, Romans 12, 11, from a couple of different versions. The RSV says this, Never flag in zeal. Be aglow with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. You got your glow on today? Hmm? The International Standard Version reads this way, Never be lazy in showing such devotion. Be on fire with the Spirit. Serve the Lord. In the Message Bible, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, right? Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Reminds me of a parable somewhere, right? Give me some of your oil. God has given us the promise, the promise of the Father, Will you fully embrace it for your life? The fullness and reality of Pentecost has come. Will we be fruitful also? The Father is looking for and expecting our intentional involvement. As he has pursued us, we are to pursue him and his promises. We're going to do a, a little search in the Old Testament for a type of this type of lifestyle. In the book of Joshua, if you turn, if you have your Bible or turn on your uh, smartphone, if you don't have a Bible, there's some on the table there, and turn to Joshua chapter 14. People of God have come out of the wilderness, they've crossed in, across the Jordan on dry land, by the way, God having parted the waters there also, as he did in the Red Sea, And Joshua is beginning to take the promised land for the children of Israel, and it's time for him to divide up to the 12 tribes portions of the promised land. Joshua 14, beginning in verse 5. The people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. They allotted the land. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Baniah, concerning you and me? I was 40 years old, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God, and Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. Okay? So just some backstory. The children of Israel have been delivered out of bondage in Egypt, and they've been out in the wilderness for about a year, traveling toward the promised land, and Moses tells Uh, 12 spies go in and spy out the land and bring back a report and of course the land was fruitful and they brought back samples of the fruit and uh, Caleb and Joshua are like come on man let's let's arm up let's go take that land it's good and someone says there's giants in the land Caleb and Joshua said yeah that's what I mean let's go let's take it right but all the other guys said no we're not going to do that and they just put fear into the camp of God, and they did not go into the promised land. Forty-five years later, the whole generation has passed away, except for Joshua and Caleb, because when they stood for God's will, God says, you're going to get what I promised. You're going to get what I promised. You're going to get what, What he promises. Don't let time or circumstance be a barrier to the fact that God has promises for your life. The promise of the Father has come. And in the giving of the Holy Spirit, all the promises are what? Yes and amen. Absolutely. Absolutely. Where'd I go? But the promise has to be claimed. Pick up in verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. So he got the promise at 40. He had to wander all those years and watch all his friends die off. 85 years old. But here's the cool part. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then, for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country. It's mine, of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there. Anyone know what the Anakim are? They're the giants, okay? They're the giants. With great fortified cities, it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Caleb, still a man of war, a man of faith. The promise of the Father is for you today. Will you claim it? Lord, give me your Holy Spirit again 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 now i can say that with full confidence because you read through the book of acts and it says and they received the holy spirit again just as at the first it wasn't just given once it was given as a refueling you know you you have one of those little lamps with the wick and the oil that, that thing burning uses up the oil. What do you need? You need a refill to keep your lamp going. You need a refill to keep your spirit hot and fervent for the Lord, right? You need more, more, more. Joshua 14, 13. Then Joshua blessed him, and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. For an inheritance. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenazite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, the name of Hebron formerly was Keriath Abba. Abba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from war. So, who gave Hebron to Caleb? Joshua, right? Joshua did. Who promised it to Caleb? God did, right? So we emerge into the promises of God through the blessing of God ministered to us by the people of God. You say that again. We emerge into the promises of God. You listening to this? Through the blessing of God, ministered to us by the people of God. And in a few minutes, we're going to do just that. So the promise of God pursued, expanded, and maintained. Joshua 15, 13. According to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, he gave to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, a portion among the people of Judah, Cariath Abba, that is Hebron. Abba was the father of Enoch, and Caleb drove out from there the three sons of Enoch, Sheshai, Eahim, Aman, and Talmai, the descendants of Enoch. and he went up from there against the inhabitants of Deber. Now the name of Deber formerly was Keriath-sephir, and Caleb said, whoever strikes Keriath-sephir and captures it, to him will I give Aksa my daughter as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, captured it and he gave him Exa, his daughter, as wife. Now that becomes important in just a minute. Because the promise of God becomes a sustainable inheritance. I I have to say um, last week was very, very impacting for me on a a number of different levels. Uh, One of them you all witnessed when over on the number 16 microphone, that microphone was pointing almost down towards the floor to reach little Emma's mouth as she sang for the first time as part of the worship team. She's my third generation in the things of God. I still remember when my life had no generations in the Lord. See, the inheritance is sustainable. I have given it to my children, and my children are giving it to my children's children, and they will give it to their children, and it will go on and on and on. It's a treasure trove for me. It's the promise of the Father. So we were talking about Ixah, his daughter, as wife to, what's that guy's name? Othniel, okay? When she came to him, she urged him to ask her father for a field. And she got off her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you want? (laughs) I'm not sure if that was quite tonally accurate. (laughs) But it could be. She said to him, Give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land of Negeb, give me also springs of water. So obviously, Caleb gave a plot of land to Othniel. But she was pretty smart. She knew that plot of land without water would be what? Unfruitful. And he gave her the upper springs and the lower springs this is the inheritance of the tribe of the people of Judah, according to their clans. So we'll break this down to this. It's never enough to just see the land of promise. It's never enough to just get a word from the Lord, to have a promise, to get a sense of calling. All right? That's just the first step. You have to enter into that. You have to give an ascent to that. You have to become uh, intentional about pursuing that. You have to hang on to it when everything else around you is fading away and dying off and you still, all you've got left is this promise of God and it's hot and it's dry and you haven't crossed over yet. But then it's never enough to enter the land of promise. You have to possess it. Once you know you're there, you have to begin to work with it. You have to begin to conform your life to the calling of God, to the, to the task before you. I want to say this to those of you who have um, sick or infirm people in your home. It's not enough to wait for Sunday to get prayer. Listen. Take out some grape juice. Get a loaf of bread. Have communion in your home. Pray for one another. You are the church of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do here, you can do in your kitchen. You can do in your bedroom. You can do in your living room. You can call some friends over, and you can do it together. You can express Christ through your life, and he will come and join you in your home. Don't wait for Sunday. Be the Sunday. Be the church. You've got to possess it. And then again, it's never enough to possess the land of promise. You have to cultivate it. You have to make it fruitful and then be willing to pass it on to another as your inheritance. I know we've talked about this before in the... In the idea of generosity or in giving, you know, we have a tendency as humans, when we get something valuable, we close our hands around it. We grab it. This is mine. This is mine. And Jesus addresses that. You know, he says, When you fast, you don't make a big show of it, you know, throwing ashes on yourself and Oh, I'm really hurting, you know, I'm fasting for God, you know. Oh, and you pray. Don't stand on the corner and make a big to-do about praying. Go into your closet. Pray before your father who hears you secretly, right? Because if you do it the other way, you get your reward. You get attention from people. You grab a hold of that and you feel good about yourself, and that's the end of it. But when you do it secretly... You get your reward when you stand in front of him. And he blesses you. And what you don't know is all the way from the, the moment you you do it secretly to the time that you get your reward, he blesses you all the way in between. Right. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus in uh, john three three says, "You must be born again to see the Kingdom of heaven. Caleb saw, and for forty years he burned with desire to enter in, and he was fervent for the things of God. Jesus goes on to say that we must be born of the Spirit to enter the Kingdom of God. Listen, you can get weary wandering around in the wilderness of church life, waiting and hoping to someday, in great by and by, to inherit the kingdom of promise. Remember, the scripture says that Israel was the church in the wilderness. And I think sometimes that the church has never come completely out of a wilderness mentality and into the promises because we lose our fervency. We are no longer burning hot for God and we lose sight of his promises. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, that is in Jesus. That is why it is through him, that is Jesus, that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Listen, when you pursue the promises of God, it isn't all about you. He gets glory out of your pursuit. The angels stand in awe. Look at these people. They're following you. What's going on? They came out of darkness and sin and death and degradation, and all of a sudden they're pursuing you and they're serving you and they're praising you and they're lifting up prayers like incense, and heaven is full of the sound of them worshiping. We, we got the, um, the bundle program on Atlantic broadband, you know, when it switched out of MetroCast. And one of the things they do is you have direct access into the Internet through your TV. And Martha discovered how to do continuous worship videos on the big TV. So when she's home alone, or if I'm just hanging out there, she'll turn that on and turn it up. And all day long, all day long. You know, sometimes I pause and watch some of them. It's a really song I really like. You know, I'll pause and I'll watch the video, and they pan these auditoriums. You know, and there's 25,000 people. They're doing this. And they're singing to Jesus. That's just in one place. How many voices today are lifting up praise to Jesus Christ? What an inheritance we have gotten from him isn't it amazing huh give me a blessing for thou has given me the south land give me also springs of water the south land of the Negev is hot it's desert land without water without the blessing there is no life no fruitfulness Saints, without the continued watering of our lives by the well springs of life, we will perish in the land of promise as surely as you can perish in the wilderness. Father, give us a blessing. Give us also springs of water. He gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. I forget which of the prophets promised in, uh, in the minor prophets that the Former and the latter rains would be given. The former, speaking of the Holy Spirit, the former and the latter rains, the upper and the lower pools. Listen, and he wants to give us everything in between. He wants to pour out his goodness on all of us. One thing you can be sure of is that when you are hot for God, You'll get thirsty. And if you can look at your life and say that you're no longer hunger or you no longer thirst for the things of God as you used to, then you are no longer hot. And I pray that we have not become lukewarm. This is the inheritance of the t- children of Judah, it says. Does anyone know what Judah translates to? Praise, right? This is the inheritance of the children of... Of praise. Do you love to praise the Lord? Do you love times of praise? Mm, so doesn't He. Psalm 76 1 says this In Judah, that is in praise, God is known. Do you want to know God? Praise Him. Praise Him. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Lift up your wallet and go minister to the poor. You know, worship with your life, and you'll get to know God. You know, I think of Cornelius a lot. You know, here's this Roman centurion. You know, God says an angel to him. Why? Because he accepted Jesus Christ in a prayer? Nope. Because he was going to church every Sunday? No. Nope because he was giving alms to the poor. He was doing right from his heart deeds of righteousness that God counted to him and sent him the word of truth. Psalm 22.3, But thou art holy, O thou who inhabits the praises of Israel. When we praise He doesn't sit up on a throne in the clouds and say, oh, that's nice. He comes and visits us. His presence comes. He becomes active in our praise, and our praise turns to worship, and our worship turns to healing. And signs and wonders and miracles and, and people's lives being changed. It turns into salvations. Psalm 87, 7. They that sing as well as they that dance, June, shall say, All my fountains are in you. All my fountains. Are you thirsty? Do you need springs of water? All our fountains are in him. Eric, could you make your way up here and just begin to prepare for some worship, some praise. John 7:37, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. All our fountains are in him." Revelation 21, 6, and he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And because of that, to the thirsty, I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. It's free, saints. It's free. It's there for the asking. Revelation 22:17 The Spirit and the bride who's the bride That's us The Spirit and the bride say come and let the one who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who desires take the water of life without price Listen You can't give away what you ain't got If you're not drinking No one can drink from your life. The source is Jesus. The cup, the cup is praise. The invitation is come. So let's stand together. Eric's going to lead us in a little bit of praise. I'm going to ask any of the elders and pastors to come up front and and this is what i want to extend to you if you've never received the holy spirit as a second experience in your walk with the lord i'd like to pray with you today remember it's the people of god who bestow the blessings of god if you've never received the baptism in the holy spirit if It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to speak in tongues, but if you've never spoken tongues and want to, come up. If you are thirsty, if you're saying, I feel so dry, I mean, church is a chore. Going to church is a chore. If it's a chore, then you're dry and you're thirsty. Make your way up. The Father is here. The promise of the Father is here. The cup is praise, and we're going to do that.